Hey everybody, welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast. We are all the way up to episode number 48. Neil had to remind me, but that's right, because the last one matched my birthday, number 47. Yes, that's so, correct. It was the day after birthday. 48. Yep. So I'm going to remind everybody our socials real quick. Of course, Punk Till I Die podcast on Facebook and Punk Till I Die 77 at Gmail if you need to write us a love letter or a hate letter. And that's Mostly just, love letters. And, send, and we'll, and we'll, we'll send you stickers and shit, so, you know, yeah, yeah, send yeah. us stuff. Don't forget to send your – keep sending addresses. I got some more stickers left, so if you send me your address, I'll send you some stickers and and cough in there and send you send you a little COVID and some skip stickers. <laughs> yeah, <So>. why not? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll leave a little DNA in there for you. Anyway – um, so that, that's all, that's all for today because we have a guest with us today. We and certainly I, do. I'm stoked. No, for, no further ado, right? Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's funny because he's, he's, he's a guest that is like Cher or Prince or Madonna really only needs a, a single name to be introduced, even though we found out that might not even be his real name. Yeah. So we have with us today from Smog Town and more recently Gross Polluter and God knows what else, Chavez. Yep. How you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me on your 51st episode of the show. <laughs> yeah. And this is super cool. Dude, it's a fucking pleasure, I'm let me tell you. I'm glad to be on your guys' show. No, dude, it's, I, a, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm, su- I'm, super, I'm super stoked to have you on. It's, uh, it's, it's been true. a long time coming. Dude, I'm actually super stoked that there's people that even know what a Chavez or a Smog Town or a Gross <laughs> Polluter are. So, um... I hand it to you guys, so thank you very much. Well, it's funny because, honestly, you guys were not on my radar until earlier this year, and uh, Neil was raving about Smogtown. I never never heard of this band, right? Because I think it was a skater thing, him being a skater, and they were on his radar, not mine. And then we met uh, Jason, who runs Garage Rock Records, of course, who's who's become a friend of ours, and... uh, and man, and uh, so anyway, I, I so he, I ended up hearing the Smogtown reissue, and then the new Gross Polluter album, and I love them both. And I, I love the fact that like one is like the the young man's version, but it kind of <laughs> like you grew with us because we're old geezers too, you know. And it's like wow, the new record really speaks to me as like a as a geezer, and the old record spo- you know speaks to what I was experiencing as a young person. So it's it's really cool that you're able to transcend that time. But anyway, so how did you how did you end there's up hooking up with that? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say there's a lot of stuff in between those two. There certainly that is. Yep. Is there? And um, <laughs> But go ahead. What were you going to say? And I was going to say, how'd you end up, how'd you hook up with Jason? Is he just a guy you know from the scene? Or how'd you end up putting out your new record with Garage Rock? Dude, I don't even know Jason from the scene. Jason is, um, I lived in the south side of San Clemente. This would have been from 1999 going to about 2006. Um, we were all living in San Clemente except for Chip. Jason was our weed dealer. That's <laughs> I That's so great. And I've known Jason every single week on time. Since then, <laughs> this got to a now. great start. That's so funny, too, because so I remember I said... That's how I know Jason, and so he's a perfect guy to to do a record label. And when we found out he was going to do a record label, we were like, we know oh, how he finances those, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, for, for no, all, hard but... to say, hard to say how he did that. But we're we're not even going to go there. 
Hey, for all of us Midwesterners, so where, whereabouts is San Clemente? Is that is that by L.A. or whereabouts is it on the on the in California? No, it's in uh, South Orange County. It's in fact your last bit of civilization between Camp Pendleton, um, which is a Marine base that separates San Diego from the L.A. area. Oh, okay. Uh, San Clemente is famous for having the Western White House. That's where Richard Nixon lived. Um, you know, he left the White House, or actually, we might have to look this one up, you know what? Okay, <laughs> well, uh, no one's going to call you a liar. So. It's, called the Western, it's called the Western White House. It's there, the Cotton's Mansion. It was um, where he... Uh, where he lived during the end of his presidency, I guess, and then he got, you know, impeached and mm-hmm. resigned. Okay. And that's where he retired. That's what San Clemente is famous for. And I believe the very first time the monkeys played was on a train in San Clemente. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So, so Wait, you have... I tell you what, we don't, we don't get into nearly enough presidential history on this show, if we're being honest. So but it's they... nice to bring a little culture. Oh, yes. I just didn't figure yeah, you'd be the guy to do what? it. I don't know anything about presidents until it's done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully dead. Yeah. Yeah, I like presidents like I like mayonnaise. You know, not at all. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. I ain't have mayonnaise on it. <laughs> so, so tell us your story, man. Did you grow you grew up in that area and, and how'd you uh, get into playing music and all that stuff? How'd you get into punk rock, playing music? You know, what's your what's your backstory? Dude, my backstory is I'm, my dad grew up in, you know, southern L.A., I guess you would say, Inglewood, California. My mom is a Orange County girl, Costa Mesa, California. Because of her broken home, she ends up partially in Inglewood. This is at, towards the end of the Vietnam War, and my dad gets drafted. He's got a Hispanic last name, so... Of course, he's the first one to go out of his mm. high school. It kind of ends up that way. Um, but rather than go fight in Vietnam, he joins the Air Force and marries my mom. She's 17 at the time. And she's pregnant with me. So I'm kind of like that, bam, show up early, baby. Mm, yeah. We moved. Uh, my parents moved to Biloxi, Mississippi. That's where I was born. Wow, talk about culture shock, huh? But yeah, there's a big Air Force base down there, isn't there? Yeah, that's it, Clark Air Force Base. Or not Clark, it's called Keesler. From Keesler, we moved to Clark Air Force Base in the Philippines a couple of weeks later after I'm born. And that's where I live for the duration of like the Vietnam War until the fall of Saigon until... I guess that's 74 or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's about We moved right back to Costa Mesa. And that's where I grow up, Costa Mesa, California. So you, so you don't really remember. You don't really remember any of that moving around stuff. You pretty much. You've always been a California boy. I have no recollection of that crap at all. I just know that that is the that sets the pace for my upbringing. That sure. that's your, you know, you're a military background kid. You know, my yep. grandpa's in the Navy and that mm. type of thing. And um. We moved there into Costa Mesa, and Costa Mesa is freaking awesome. It's, hmm. 
in the at the time, you know, in the early seventies, Costa Mesa is very rural. It's ex, it's a lot of old farmland and stuff like that. So you've got motocross tracks and um, Orange County International Raceway (OCIR). So there'd be Carol Shelby, Dan Gurney. These you know very famous racers as I was growing up were just right on the other side of the freeway. Now, did you grow up skating? Oh, did did you grow up skateboarding and stuff too? Obviously, I'm, I assure, I assume you did. Oh yeah, skateboarding is huge. Yeah. All of that is huge, and it's it's more. It's not so much because of the skateboarding or the surfing. It's the general attitude towards life that everything was full forward. There was a lot of racetracks. There was a lot of, um, you know, there were skate parks everywhere. Mm-hmm. Back then, as I was growing up, it was huge. And that is the very beginning of my upbringing, is that that go forward, we're going very fast. Everything is about um, not what you did during the week, but what you did starting at Friday at 5 o'clock. So hmm. talk, that so was what you did. When to... people ask you, what do you do? You don't say, oh, I work over at Rockwell, or I do, you know, or I, you know, mill parts for rear ends for trucks. I, what do you do? I ski, I, you know. Yeah, you skate, so you surf, that, yeah. That's basically how I grew up. And that's, um, from there forward, that defines everything that I've ever done. So like how did yeah. so like how did you get into music? What was the uh, what was the introduction to to music? Were you always into punk or into other stuff too? Dude, Kiss. The very first time I ever saw Kiss on TV, I I was ripping like whoa, <laughs> like you can do that shit. Like these, there's the guy blowing fire and all the shit. <laughs> and um, my parents were very open into like, oh, dude, you want a Kiss tape or an album or something and. Dude, I got it, and when I heard like that hundred thousand years, or Deuce, or Parasite, there there was something there. I was like, okay, dude, we're moving from here. Like this is bitching. I'm a rock and roller. I'm gonna blow flame. You know what? Come <laughs> Thanksgiving when I'm six, I might blow flame. Like it's funny it's... where my headspace was. Like, dude, that's my plan. Like by the time I'm seven, all, I might be able to fly and do. A, guitar solo where smoke comes out of my guitar dude that's my headspace at that age like there's no yeah. limit and there was no one telling me like that it was lame or like you couldn't do that shit. So. that's funny your dad kind of defies what they, what they call like the traditional like uh, military guy stereotype it's always like the military dad and the punk rock kid you know usually there's like some natural friction there because of the you know the rigidness of the sort of military upbringing but your parents were supportive huh there was a lot of friction there, but it had nothing to do with the music. It had everything to do with the look and how you were perceived uh, by everyone else. Uh, yeah. But it's kind of so one of the same. I wasn't, get, I wasn't getting my ass kicked because I listened to DRI. I was getting my ass kicked because I wore a jacket with DRI outside <sighs> of the house. Like, 
Like, no, dude, you know what? Like, there's a place for that. Like, you do that in your room. You don't go, like, to grandma's house with CRI shit. <laughs> oh, I can relate you know to that. I, mean? I bet you so, Neil can, too. Oh, yeah, I can totally I can. relate to that. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Except for me, it was, so, uh, it was the Clash of the Pistols. Yeah. That. And yeah. My dad used to, and he, dude, I got to give it to him. The guy's a very intelligent guy. And when he, uh, during my whole upbringing, you know, upbringing with all this music, the PMRC is huge. And so, of course, my parents are like, what is this stuff you're listening to? And we want to hear it. And then my dad would just play it off like, dude, this is like Simon and Garfunkel with skeletons and dead babies. You guys, you guys are talking about the same thing. Like, yeah, yeah, you go ahead. Go for it. You do this. You do it. You do you. Like, And it kind of takes the sting out of everything. You're like, oh, what? Like, yeah, dude, Simon and Garfunkel are singing this same crap, but only you put pictures of dead babies and stuff. Like, yeah, if you, t- you go ahead and do it. Simon and <laughs> Garfunkel. Like that was it. Like, it's almost like he took the piss out of you by, yeah. by, like, approving. A little bit. It was a little bit that way. And then it wasn't until later on when I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? It's right. It's just, it's all of your imagery that is setting the pace for what's happening hmm. all the songs are really the same we're all Did fighting you... for the same thing we're all fighting for justice and all this stuff you know but it's it's how we what we put on the record cover so while parents are freaking out like oh my god there's all this stuff my dad the whole time was just like dude, dude this is nothing these guys ain't doing nothing no one's getting shot in kent park there yeah. or kent state, kent state yeah 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 they're kent doing state. yeah they're doing slappies over at the fucking Luckies. Seven <laughs> Eleven, brother. Yeah, like, 7-11. yeah. These guys aren't doing. Sh- these guys aren't shit. That's what my dad's whole thing was. <laughs> so it was kind of like, huh? All right. <laughs> was so, was it the so, was it the skateboarding that led directly to the punk rock, or was it just like natural evolution from like? Yeah, you know, it was the opposite. Actually, it was the uh, the new way. Like, dude, so. Growing up in Costa Mesa, uh, it, things were pretty fast-paced, and we had this radio station called KROQ. Yeah, yeah, K-Rock. Yeah. Oh, K-Rock. K-Rock. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah with What's-His-Face, uh, Rodney. Rodney. Yeah, Rodney, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's what everyone listened to. And by the, dude, by the time you're in second grade, if you didn't listen to K-Rock, then, dude, you were you either didn't speak English yet or just weren't into music. You were just some kind of nerd or something. Hmm. So everyone listens to K-Rock, and K-Rock is playing, um, dude. Punk rock? <laughs> okay, here you go. Here's the very first time I ever listened to K-Rock is there's, there, you know, there's no cable. There's no video games. Like Atari's not out yet or anything. I don't think it is. And if it was, we couldn't afford it. But yeah. we're out in the street playing um, with this racquetball. And some of the older kids down the street get involved. And their family was called the Masters. And there was three of them, like three of these older boys that were like down there, we always were afraid of the masters. Oh, dude, the masters are coming, everybody's hide. <laughs> and next thing you know, dude, we're playing some kind of racquetball game with them. Like we're, we're playing the keep away type of thing. And 
do we're spry little dudes and we're getting around the Masters boys and we're thinking this is the greatest freaking thing ever when someone just finally gives a good chuck down the street and it's bouncing and the Masters dude is going after my little brother who's about a year and a half younger than me. My brother goes diving through the air and gets hit by a Toyota truck. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> right in front of me. Bam! Like, bam! Holy crap. And, you know, the whole thing happens. He's not going too fast or whatever. And my brother's kind of okay, but they got to take him to the hospital. So I end up over at this family's house, the, the Harpleys. Rusty Harpley is the dude's name. <laughs> and he's the kid, you know, like, he's older than me. And I'm like, oh, dude, Rusty, you're gnarly. Like, like you have a sim skateboard and all this, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, is that we get in his room? And he's like, oh, dude, do you listen to K-Rock? And at this point, I'm still listening to AM. I'm listening to Mighty 690. And, oh, dude, you got to check out K-Rock. Like, this kid's the cool kid on the block. Dude, he turns on the radio, and the very first song I ever heard on K-Rock is Stranglers Hanging Around. Oh, amazing. And I had no idea. Yeah, great song. I for years didn't know what that was or I just knew the song and it was hanging around and I knew that if that came on that I was going to un unclick my record on my recorder because yep. I'd always listen to the, re the radio with the yep, we always record used to do that for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then just bam, hit pause when you hit the song that you wanted to hit and I knew, dude, I'm hitting that one. Dude, I had no idea who the Stranglers were for another 10 years or something like that. So what are we talking? But, are, we, are we talking like 82? What are we talking? That's 82, maybe 81. Okay. Then yeah. I'd be 82 because I'd be about 10 or 11 years old, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, then from there, it's like the floodgates open. Boingo, Boingo, Devo, OMD, um, anything new wave, Adam oh. and the Ants. And then it was funny because I could differentiate between Adam Ant and Adam and the Ants that there you age. Go. Good boy, I had, yeah. I'd favorite. I had favorite ACDC. I knew that the, for those about to rock was shit and that, you know, Dirty Deeds was the good one. <laughs> like, I was already differentiating that. Is that right, Tom? Is that right? What do you say? Oh, yeah. The Bon Scott stuff, it, it was a, definitely a burn bright, burn fast situation with that Bon Scott stuff is great. All of it. The Brian Johnson stuff's Dude, okay, yeah, when you go but from there's Bon so Scott to Brian Johnson. Uh, dude, Brian Johnson's fine, sure, if you're going to yeah. watch a soccer team like come and <laughs> run into a stadium and shit and they're like yeah dude play that shit play that well, they've done a lot more albums with brian johnson and they don't have nearly as many good songs with him as they did in their short time with bon scott so we'll tell you what so let me, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna, yeah, i was gonna say or nor are they influencing people like they did with the bon scott yeah, I well, think they, now they, it's just they, stadium rock, you know? Well, and they just make the and same record over and over. not even stadium rock, like, hey, come watch ACDC. Like, hey, come watch the baseball team come pick the field. And, <laughs> you know, and they're playing ACDC. They're like, oh, I love this. This is ACDC. <laughs> Why don't they play Metallica when they come out? You know, like, Fugazi <laughs> is going to be next. I'll tell you that right now, dude. Well, I am going to play. I'm going to play. take the first song break. 
and we're going to play um, the first song from Smog Town already? tonight. Yeah, we're, dude, we, we've been talking for 20 minutes, my friend. Yeah, I'm just kidding. 20 minutes in already. So I'll tell you what. It never, the first one is, we always say, oh, 10 minutes, we'll take a song break. We yeah, never, never do. happens. Literally, we're 40, yeah. what do we say, 48 episodes in, we've never done it on time. So that's yeah. it. Um, so I am going to cool. play... I'm going to play off the Beach City Butchers 10-inch, which I don't like 10-inches, but this is a great fucking EP. Um, This came out in 1999, and the song I'm going to play is called Berlin Girls. So hopefully after the song plays, hopefully Chavez can give us some of the background, because I don't know why they're from the West Coast and they're singing a song about Berlin Girls. So there you go. But uh, yeah, this is Smogtown with Berlin Girls. By small it's town. funny. I want to. I want to insert joke about Neil and twelve inches or something, but I won't. We'll defer to our guest instead and, <laughs> and let him tell inches, us the you story. Mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Neil, Chavez... Neil wants all twelve or nothing. Anyway, go <laughs> Ch- ahead. And... Chavez, either seven or ten, uh, twelve. Um, Chavez, tell us what the on earth is Berlin Girls about? Because I've been wondering that for twenty years. All right. So it might be. It's going to be New Year's Eve, nineteen. It's going to turn nineteen ninety-five. And at this point, uh, me and Tim, or I should say Tim and I, and... Um, no, Tim is the drummer, Tim right? Stag. Tim. Tim is the drummer. Yep. And then there's um, Stag Destro, and our friend Pat, we all have the band Vader's Crank. <laughs> and we decide that we're going to... Um, actually, it's, just, it's a different dude, this guy... I'm not even sure I I should say his name, but his name was Rob Hasm, and he had some kind of I don't know some kind of corrupt thing where he was giving off of some credit card subscription <laughs> thing. And Loving it. He's taking me and Guitardo to Vegas on on New Year's Eve. Nice. And it's going to turn 1995, and we're like. 
shit, okay. Like, dude, I really have nothing going on. And I not only do I have nothing going on, but I have zero dollars. I have no money at all. And he's like, oh, dude, don't worry. I'm going to take care of everything. So he takes Guitardo and I out to Vegas. I end up driving all the way to Las Vegas on New Year's Eve in the back of a truck, like literally in the bed of a pickup truck. Like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> you know, like no shell, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's the 90s, so this is very odd. Uh, do we get there and I run into some guys that lived in my neighborhood that you know, that I kind of knew. Mm-hmm. And they were like, hey, dude, why don't you just, why don't you guys instead of just hanging out all night, come stay at our place over at these condos that we have over by Sam's place. And we're like, okay. So we end up going there before the big, you know, to-do that there is. So when we get over there to the condominium, it is a marijuana grow house. So you... <laughs> You can use the the bathrooms in the kitchen, and then you can sit in the living room, but the rest of the rooms are filled with, in the closets, are filled with, like, weed. And then, so we're like, oh, okay, this is awesome. You know, but because they're a marijuana grow house, they got, like, some of the most badass girls I've ever seen. And also, we meet the Berlin girls, these girls from Berlin. They... We're staying at a hotel in Newport Beach where these guys had met them and said, come with us to to Las Vegas for New Year's Eve. So we all kind of just meet at this at this grow house. And that's the story. And so the end of the night, Guitardo and I end up making out with the two girls and instead of everybody. So that that is the whole that's the whole story of Berlin Girls. <laughs> yep. Well, there you That's go. That's where it came from. And those are the first, because if you go back to, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Tales of Gross Pollution, so like CD that Disaster put out. Um, yeah, that's the really early stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Berlin Girls is on there. That yeah. is the oh. second, that's the second Smog Town song. That's the, um, that trip actually is the trip that solidifies Guitardo into the band Smog Town. Okay. Because so before it was me and Tim and another guy, and we were doing goofy. Uh, dude, we were really rudimentary. We were more like, um, we were trying to do like Gigi Allen type stuff. And when mm. Guitardo came in, that's when the guitar playing hit top level. And then next thing you know, Chip came in. Now we're Smog Town. Yeah, so we and got so we got I, just so people know, it's Chavez singing, Chip Beef on bass, Guitardo obviously is Chip guitar, Beef. best name ever, and Tim McVeigh on drums, correct? That's the classic that's the classic correct. Smog Town the, line. The irony right is that a guy named Guitardo elevated the guitar playing in the band. <laughs> well, we'll we'll get we'll we'll get on we'll get on to get We'll get on to Guitardo later and uh his sad story. So so you guys, so you're, you're pretty pretty young guys, and you're putting this band together, together Smog Town, and uh, you had a little you had a little bit of success. You made a bunch of made a bunch of records, and you did it for close to twenty years, right? Or something like twenty we years. We started Smog Town in '95. Um, we never really thought we'd ever come out with a record. We thought that that was something you either had to do yourself or sign on to like a 
Capitol Records or an Epitaph or a something yeah, like something that. Big. Yeah, Especially yeah. at that time, we didn't. I don't think we were really savvy to the whole independent. Um, not not necessarily us putting it out, but someone that was like minded putting it out and having something like that. We just we were kind of thinking it was one or the other, either we put it out or or someone big put it out. And so it was never really a um, a thing. Touring, being a big band or anything wasn't a thing. It was just like, let, let's play some local shows and yeah. parties. Let's try to get chicks and let's just do some. I mean, like, yeah, we're literally throwing our lives away, dude. We're smoking weed, skateboarding, surfing, and some of the dudes that we know are living this life and they were 50 years old at that time. So we're trying to like emulate that whole, for sure. We're just that trying sounds, to be beach bum. That sounds, really. that sounds perfect. That's all we're trying to do. Well, so, so, like, you, oh, so you want to be in a bit middle of being a beach bum. Let's start this band. So hostage we'll records. We'll get chicks. And... So how did you get on, how did you, you get on hostage uh, at first? Cause that was your first label, right? That was who you put your first single out on was hostage. Dude. The first label is Outsider. Wow. So the Outsider comes in, and it's they're called Outsider Records. They pay for us to do that first seven inch. What the Smog on Forty Five one? Dude, okay, we got to we got we have to back up. Okay, <laughs> I'm going out of order. All right. So we we get some money together, and we decide we're going to do this four songer um, session up at the Music Box up in Hollywood. Harry Martinez was our friend. We, we would play with U.S. Bombs all the time. Mm -hmm. And Carrie was our super good friend. So he came with us to where they were recording um, the first stuff for Garibaldi Guard, U.S. Bombs. Yeah, yeah. Great album. And he's like, we're using this studio. Come with me and we'll go do that. And then we get there and there's this guy named Joe there. And Joe and Chip are old buddies. And so that starts off that session really, really good. So we did Porno Beach, Switchblade New Wave, Losing It, and Break Some Skull in that session. Hmm. And that's the very first, like, real stuff we ever laid down that we thought was, like, the quality that we wanted. And so we split them up, and it was going to be Losing It, and Breaks and Skull would be one single, and Porno Beach and Switchblade New Wave would be another single. And what happened was this company, Outsider Records, came in and said, like, we want to do something. We heard that tape because we were kind of throwing that tape around with the four songs, and they wanted three other songs. So we were doing Suicide, um, I'm a jerk, and the other one is nobody cares. Nobody cares. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Is that Neil? Yep, it sure is. is. Well, he's thank an expert. Neil. Yep. All right. <laughs> then um, we do those songs, but when they they get the songs and they say we don't want to, you know, put these out yet. We're going to wait for the name to get get bigger. <laughs> I call because the name can't get bigger until so you put the records out. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, it's kind of ass backwards. Yeah. From hostage. We end up playing the show with Bone Crusher at this bar called The Stag 
in Costa Mesa where my grandparents used to drink, which is kind of funny. And uh, we played there with Bone Crusher and Dwayne was there and Rick was there. Dwayne, or Rick took all these pictures of Dwayne and I and it turned into a thing. And then Rick was like, all, who's putting out your record? And we're like, so far, nobody. And Rick went and bought those recordings from Outsider. Oh, cool. So mm. thanks to Rick, like without it, without Rick doing that, none of this would have happened. So I've all mm. like, thank you to Rick. Like without him, we would have never even probably gotten out of the gate. We probably would have just spun out of control and been some nutsacks without Rick coming in and <laughs> narrowing it down buying that recording from them and putting out smog on 45 yeah so hmm. smog on 45 in 98 and then the black ball single in 99 right those are the two you did for Hostage, yeah the black right? ball singles right after it yeah and uh we were with the very first single you know we all kind of agreed on that first cover that that you see there um, that's the very first cover, the black with the white small town. That was our, like what we wanted the cover to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, variation started coming out and, uh, Dude, we were, let me talk about that. A, let me, let me talk on that a second. Cause look, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm a collector and, um, I'll tell you what, collecting most bands isn't that hard, especially newer bands. But collecting stuff by you guys is next to fucking impossible. Because seriously, Tom, you you have to look on Discogs. Like every one of those singles, there's like four or five different sleeves. And hmm. I don't I don't know why. In fact, you know what, Chavez, tell us why. Why why did you guys do I know, so many and different I know sleeves? They have, they have a ten inch. They have a double seven inch. It's yep. like all all like yeah. formats all over the place. Yeah, but but even even like one seven inch, they'll have like six different sleeves. So what is hmm. the what is the deal with well, that, my friend? Chavez? I mean, what? are you buying the sleeve, Neil, or are you buying the wax? What are you buying, I, I, dude? As a collector, does you want? You gotta have you, every. Yeah, you gotta have it all. Guy. Yeah, you oh. gotta have it all. So, Chavez, why why did you start doing all those alternate sleeves and stuff? Um, I'm not a fan of the of the multiple sleeves. No? In fact, I find it offensive. Oh, I really okay. do find it offensive. I find the that if you're Going to put a sleeve on, like it's all part of a complete package. It's all part of the song. It's all part of the message. Agreed. It's all part of the the visuals that you want to. No one wants to see the alternate cover to Fresh Fruit for Rotten Vegetables. Right. No one does. It's got the classic no cover, right? You're right. See yeah. the right. alternate cover to Rudimentary Peni Death Church. No one does. No one wants to see the special. It's it's all a statement, and if your statement has these different shirts that it that it wears every single time that you order it, then after a while you're like, oh, dude, this is starting to get insane. You know, this is we're getting too much into it, and it started the second that our band started. Um, yeah, why was that? Then? There was three was... or four different covers. I don't know why that is. That's a Rick Bain thing. Hmm. And we were tightly against it. Ah, the second seven inch is the black ball seven inch. Yep. There's only one cover for it. Well, it's in different and colors though. We finally, there's no different colors. It's all yellow with a black ball. That's well, there's, there's but, different colors of the vinyl, I think. No, but there's one that's a white. There's one that's a white cover with a black ball. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not, my friend. No, I'm not. <laughs> Dude, that completely um, that it completely erases the meaning of the black ball flag. The black ball flag is like a naval, you know, bring your ship to shore. Yeah. No surfing allowed. That's that's what it, you know, that's what it means to us. So a white background with a black dot doesn't mean shit. And that's why I'm against all those covers. And this is really what kind of ruined our relationship with Rick Bain was these multiple covers. Uh, it, in fact, it, it ruined it. It brought on the end of Smogtown, really, is there's the Seven Inch Victoria. Oh, don't even get me started on that one. Jesus. <laughs> I guess you've got a lot. Yeah, so. the, the sleeves are all completely different for that one, right? Oh, my gosh. Every, so what year are we up, what, what year the, are we up the to now? Is a, well, if we're going we're Victoria, was a lot. We here, we're in 2000 and something. We're in like 2000, what, 11, 12, 2013? Yeah, we did, we did switch around a lot sure. there. Um, because we, we were talking about Black Bull, which is 99, which was their second single. But he was just talking about Victoria, which is where the band broke up pretty much. And I think he was just mentioning the right, cover because really that, that killed about, him. What we're actually talking about is the multiple cover phenomenon yeah. that's going on in punk in general, in records. Yeah, that there's multiple covers. There's you got to get this cover with this thing, and there's three, three hundred only. And uh, do what's happening is you've got uh, the same one hundred dudes buying one thousand records. The band's trying to figure out yeah, that's they go to play. Why is there only seven dudes here? Yeah, like, why is there only seven dudes here? Like because the same one hundred dudes worldwide bought your record that you only made five hundred of. They each have five copies of that same record because there was these different ones that everyone's got to get. And to me, if you want to do so, that bringing us to Gross Polluter, we have the song on there called Oasis of Undersell, and Ooh. Oasis of Undersell is about that. Um, Sucked in by limited edition, Oasis of Undersell. Dumpsters where it should have been pitched in, Oasis of Undersell. You know, it's, mm. um, that's what that song is about. And that's a gross polluter song because that's really why we moved to Jason instead of sticking with Hostage was Hostage is very adamant that there's going to be five different covers and there's going to be this screen print big block artwork that you're not really stoked on. Uh, that's what broke our band up was the Victoria seven inch. There was a, a version of Victoria that came out that they added a K behind C in the title and had a picture of Richard Nixon and Guitardo at the time. He didn't write the song, but he came up with the concept of Victoria that it's, it's not, you know, it's not like Vic, it, it was all inspired by the kinks of Victoria, where I'm poor, but I'm free yeah. type of thing. Yeah, it's the kink, all like, yeah. this one's more like, we've got money, but we're not free. We're sucked into the system where we have to behave. And if you step out of line, it's just going to get taken away from you. And like that type of thing. That's where we were going with that. And when it came with Richard Nixon and the K added in it, it was yellow background with this bright blue and white and black. Um, the cover's supposed to be that duct tape with the abandoned house. Like, 
that's supposed to be the cover. Like it meant something to, to me and him. Okay. And it, it literally got taken away from us. Like, no, we're doing, we're adding a K and putting Richard Nixon on there. And you can thank us later type of attitude. Did, did you guys have some kind of a weird, that was it? did you have a contract that gave them that much creative control or was it just so loosey goosey that there was no real. No. So loosey goosey that we, we can they regard um, or anything. You know, it's funny. If you look at the Victoria covers, there's two different duct tape ones because they said you have to have two different covers. So Guitardo and I made two different covers, both of them out of duct tape with two different center pictures of two different abandoned houses. That was the only difference. Hmm. And it made sense to us. Like it was, it was the abandoned house thing Mm -hmm. and it got taken away from it. So there's one called the abandoned version or something like that. And uh, instead they entered in another artist thing and put that in there and added a K into it. And do we were furious and, Chris at the time, like this is very at the end of the band. Uh, when I showed him, I was like, here, this is like the limited edition one. They wanted, you know, this is for, for you. He just chucked it out, like looked at it, chucked it in the corner. And he was like, dude, do I even have like an input into this anymore? And we would only see him like two or three more times wow. ever in my lifetime. That's my best friend. Wow, I didn't know that. I so, didn't know the cover thing was going to be such, when it such comes a touchy down subject. To multiple covers, I fucking hate them. Wow, like, dude, I have an absolute hatred for multiple covers. Like, yeah, if the band wants to do multiple covers and do all that shit, like, dude, then more power to it. But don't do it until the band is there helping you do it, and especially when they're telling you not to do it. We'd already made our stand with. Um, the black ball seven inch. Um, that's, you know, you got to kind of listen to that. And then audiophile was the same thing. Audiophile is the shittiest cover you've ever seen. Uh, we wanted a plain gray cover with embossed audiophile. So there's something rad. Like right. if you're going to, if you're limited to 500 records then like dude maybe don't go to kinko's to make the covers like <laughs> go for it so we just wanted in boss smog town you know with the you know that 45 spindle yeah, and the, the spindle. outside of yeah, the yeah. black ball thing on it and dude that was just a big to do and we ended up just making that cover and then it turned into six or seven other covers that i think are on that one why don't we stick another Smog Town song in there, Neil, and then we can come back and do maybe a little bit more about Smog Town. <laughs> there you go. We love to work on we love to work on the fly. So let's do so that's from the new album. Oasis okay. of Undersell. Gross polluter. The people get what the people get. So this is Gross Polluter. With Oasis of Undersell. Yes.
Okay, Oasis of Undersell by Sorry, Gross Polluter. Like that, you guys. Dude, I so didn't, wait, no, I, no, it's all good. I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was going to go down that dark pathway. I didn't know I was going to hit oh, so many. Yeah, uh, dude, so I many. Hate the covers. <laughs> Holy cow, dude, that's my thing. Well, all and I know is that's cool that you guys brought that up because that's because um, nobody would ever ask you about me. that. Well, all I know only, is that only the um, old English yeah, collector. Knowing that I wouldn't bring it up to, yeah. Well, the funny thing yeah, is, I don't even, cool. I, I don't even want to mention this now, but the version I've got of Victoria isn't any of those things. <laughs> It's a, oh man! You you make his head it's it's the, it's or, the it's like yellow and white stripes with like the um, anti nuke kind of logo thing on it, and it's like hand signed by the band in yellow vinyl. Yep, and it's uh, by an artist called Kenny Kenny Garrett, Kenny I believe, Garrett. who signed the cover. Yeah, yeah, Kenny G. Is he famous That's or something? What we call him Kenny is, G. Is he famous? That guy? No. Oh, because <laughs> it makes out like it's a big deal, like it's <laughs> signed by Kenny little, Garrett. Does he play that little saxophone thing? <laughs> no, but dude, if you follow any of the hospital <laughs> record stuff, it's all there. Like the, the pegs, the, every single band, and there's this, um, he calls it art damage. And good yeah. lord, he has no idea how much damage it's actually doing. Oh shit, I'm, maybe, I'm dude, sorry I bought it now. You know, maybe... <laughs> Dude, you know what? I'm going to tell you right now. If you have a shitty-ass band and you're lucky enough to get on hostage, let them do the cover thing for you because you're going to sell all your records. Yeah. And they're going to be worth 20 bucks a piece, no matter how shitty your band is. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If it just comes out on that label and you have uh, some kind of screen-printed bullshit on there that is some symbol that means something but doesn't really mean anything impactful in like, oh, no, like... They put that on there. Um, it's art. It, it's it's um, punk seven inch. One like come into Borders and come get a punk seven inch. This is what they look like. Wow. You know, <laughs> like punk one on one, dude. Okay. So, yeah. Like, so oh, right, I, I thought I was getting something special when I bought that. Instead, I've got the, I've no, got the single that broke up the it's, fucking band. It's literally, it's literally the artist despises it. You know, are you happy with it? Yeah. Well, yeah I'm funny. gonna sell it, it is, now. Did did they did they mess around? Because because of course the famous story about the uh, about the fears of the new wave album is that they totally screwed the tracks around and did and 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 changed it from your original vision. So I was gonna say at least you guys had the musical vision, but they kind of did the same thing at every level, huh? Just meddling constantly. Um. Yeah. But this, so that's a different record label. Oh, was that a different label? That's disaster Records. Yeah. yeah. Just had, that was just Dwayne Peters. Every label. Yeah, it was good old Dwayne. Um, oh, that was Dwayne Peters. Except okay. for um, dude, Deadbeat Records with. Beach City Butchers. We were moving from the um, the second Smog Town single because we were very like you know like oh, man we got to make sure that there's not multiple covers. So we had Beach City Butchers. Beach City Butchers was something that that image we used to put on our like teen jackets and shit. Mm-hmm. Like it was something that was a little more than we had gotten it out of. Um, really, Adam Burroughs from the Pegs found it in a book that he had, some kind of Life magazine book, and they had, it was a still out of Apocalypse Now. And oh, right, yeah, now look looking at, at that, it, yeah. They're like, yeah. It looks like they're invading the beach, but that's not what's happening. What happen, What's happening is they're stealing the surfboard and leaving the beach. And so uh, we just, dude, we loved it. 
And so we put that, that was going to be the cover, and Beach City Butchers, that was it. There's no fancy cover. There's no, when it came to the, like, what color vinyl we wanted, we were like, black. But black is raw. Black looks cool. It doesn't, it's not a. Sounds good. Yeah. Looks it, good. Yeah, just black looks cool. And so we stuck with that. And Beach City Butchers has been Beach City Butchers from day one. So even you if you don't like the ten inch, even if you don't like the ten inch format, Neil. Well, I know. I'll tell you what. That I've, I've, if you're just getting into Smogtown, that's a really good place to start because that's got six mm. songs on it, and they're all fucking killer. So. Not Furors. Hmm. Interesting. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Dude, it's honestly, as... if you're gonna start somewhere, start there. There you go. See, from the man himself. Yeah. That is. Ah, fuck it, dude. Start from the first one. <laughs> Here you go. Let's do it all. Did and then you... call me because it all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> did you? Did you guys tour the world? Tour the country? How far did you guys? How far did Smogtown get on the grand scale of things? You made some, made a bunch of records. Played around Southern California a lot. But did you? Did you travel hey, the Tom, country? Tom, what? What is it? Is it fucking snowing by you? What is that sound? It's it's raining. <laughs> is pretty that the hard. wind? Dude, yeah, we I was going to say. Storm. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a tropical I'm glad storm, my dude. Not out. dude. It's like ninety here. I'm it was in the dude. Right. It was in the nineties here. I'm almost in Canada. It was like ninety four freaking degrees today. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm sweating my balls off. I'm wearing a pair of shorts, and that's it. In case oh, you need a visual. That's nice. Thank you for that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. You're <laughs> welcome. What I have to admit, I'm dreams. wearing the exact same thing. So. There you go. Come on, Neil. Quit being an uptight square, man. You sitting there with your shirt, thinking you're all prim and proper. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm sorry. So, the heat, Neil. <laughs> yeah. So what? So so how 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 far did you get with Smogtown? Yeah, it was t- we went to uh, up the coast to Portland. We went to Las Vegas, Nevada, and we played all around California, Sonoma. And you got to understand, California's huge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, Getting from it's like a it's like California a European County tour. Playing all of California is like, like a European Sacramento tour. Sacramento is like going from Tallahassee to frickin' Boston. Yeah. So uh, we played everywhere in between, but dude, we really went nowhere. We never traveled anywhere. I, I think the four of us have always even San Francisco a lot. You can get to San Francisco on a weekend. We knew a lot yeah. of people there. Um, Arizona, I think, like I think that. that might be one yeah. of the reasons I wasn't as familiar with you guys. You know, at the end of the day, punk rock is real territorial. You know, we've talked to a ton of Midwesterners because all the people we come across are like Midwesterners. But I think that's kind of that's probably why I didn't come across you earlier in earlier in life because you never Do you know what that's really you never open for you never open for DRI or something. Phenomenon. No, not yet. Um, yeah, there you go. Still time. Monday, but yeah. Uh, but that's an American music phenomenon in the first place. Like, really, when you think about, like, old 60s bands, like, you know, Love never played the, the East Coast, or yeah. um, the Sonics would have never played the East Coast. You have all these different bands, and the Remains would have never played the West Coast. They're huh. all still great music, and I think it's just whether or not you're on the hunt for music as to opposed to what's going to be brought to you. Yeah, I guess is the thing. And, but that was um, pre. But that was pre pre internet. Like now, it's a totally different world, you know. But for a kid in Michigan to hear a band in 1999 playing in California without any kind of a physical connection would have been pretty 
difficult, you know. I think Neil had, the skate, Neil yeah. had the skateboarding connection. You know, I've, I think I've that always, was the big I've always, I've thing always, for him. I've always tried to figure out why it was that I even got turned on to Smogtown. And I, I figure it had to be either an article in Thrasher or an article in uh, Razor Cake or something like that, where I might have seen a review where I even got turned on to you guys. Unless you were on a compilation or something that I heard. I mean, anything's possible, but it would have been like 99 or 2000 when I got turned on to you guys. So hmm. um, it was, yeah, it was pretty early. But, uh, then it could have been a um, Disaster Records compilation yeah, or something very, like that. Maybe yeah. Old Scars and Upstarts or yeah. something like that. Very, very possible. Which, yeah. We're Wait, so that sounds thankful familiar. for Dwayne even, for even looking at us. My Dwayne connection is funny because my roommate is, or not is, <laughs> my roommate's my wife. My, um, <laughs> yeah, so. was my Mormon <laughs> back a long time ago. He's the singer of the Stitches. Oh, okay, cool. And that is my connection to Dwayne and everyone like that. So that was a huge help for us. Now, do you still see Dwayne, or no, do, you, I mean, do you not see him too much anymore? I I haven't seen Dwayne in years. Um, oh, I'm okay. going to say nine years, probably. Last time I saw him was a Rumble at Ramona contest that uh, Jeff Grosso got us set up to play at, and Dwayne's band, he had the Dwayne Peters and the Great Unwashed thing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we had all played together out in in Ramona. Ramona is in the, like, it sounds funny when you say this, like, to someone that doesn't live in California, but in the San Diego mountains, <laughs> it's like these mountains above San Diego, it was, it's all out there. It's out, all out in the country. It, hmm. it was a cool event, hmm. but I, I haven't seen Dwayne since then. And I was expecting to hear from him after putting out fears, but, um, nope, I haven't heard. He's right down in Oceanside. I know that. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, just for people who, who are listening, who aren't too familiar with Smogtown. So Smogtown put out three albums. They did Fear is the New Wave in 2000, um, on Disaster. And then Domestic Violence Land in 2001. And then, um, nothing for a while, just some singles. And then the Incest and Pestilence album in 2011. And, uh, so were you guys still playing full time at that point? Or did you guys pretty much, uh, it was just like a part time thing? It's pretty much a part-time thing. And, you know, going from the time maybe that we started Fears of the New Wave, mm-hmm. it was part-time. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, really? We really do. Uh, I guess there's no better definition for us than an art band. We we had a practice studio. We would. What you're hearing on the albums is only like half of the stuff that we made up that we would set up. Uh, at the time, anyway, because the, all of us lived within bicycle riding distance of this one studio that we that was our own. Hmm. You know, it was a lockout type of deal. We that became it. We didn't go to shows anymore. We didn't do anything. We just went in there and made music, and it became um, bands like the Piss Pops and all the different things that kind of gross polluter kind of busted out of it. Everything kind of moved out of that practice studio. And that's when the incest and pestilence stuff 
kind of differentiated. I'm fully losing track of where I was. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> that, no, because we got yeah. that practice studio yeah. there in part time. Yeah, San Clemente, and we we were. That's just where we went to go hang out and write all these songs, and then we had enough material to make albums, but we never really went on tour and took it seriously. We never, we never were a real band. I'm going to say that, like Ooh, for sure. Oh. Ouch. Well, you were really fucking like good. We, <laughs> you might not have been a real band, but you were real good. Um, so you, tell you us. Know what's funny is it's exactly what we wanted it to be when we were always like. Yeah, I guess like it was me, Tim, and Chris, really. Like Tim's drummer and Chris's guitardo. We all went to high school together. We all graduated the same year. We've all lived in the same places since then. Like it was our thing. And when Chip's a bit older than us, he was a guy in our neighborhood that, that we brought in later on. And it was always our thing that we weren't going to be like, dude, I don't want to be some freaking rock star and go on tour and freaking like, I just want to be in a band and have like a couple seven inches and party. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was yeah. our thing. Like, so, and then it turned into where we were just making more than one seven inch. We, we could make songs better than we could play them. Not necessarily play them live. We could play them live rad, but, I just didn't want to go anywhere. Like we, we were surfing and yeah, you were just having a good time. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, we were just beach bums doing our thing, and it didn't matter that you had to go somewhere. It mattered that we were making the recordings and putting them down onto vinyl. That's what mattered to us. That's so, what it became. So, it just became so if that. it was if it was that casual, why why did it have to end? And if I'm getting into a real sore subject, I apologize because I really don't. Know I, I kind of know the story from one from smog town to gross polluter, but what? Uh, how come it finally came to a head where you just couldn't do it anymore? It had to be more than album covers, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a single cover. Damn it! Uh, honestly, it's the um, you know Guitardo. He mm. is the spirit of the band. Like it's me and him started it from the beginning, and to okay. us, it was always Guitardo songs. He wrote all those. So he wrote the was, riffs. You wrote the words, more or less. Pretty he much, the, yeah. And then Chip, he wrote the songs, he wrote the words. Chip okay. had his inputs in. I wrote all the words. Okay. Um, every single one, Gross Polluter, and on. Except for the Gross Polluters with different singers, yep. which we should get into. Yeah, we'll get yeah, to that we'll, later. Um, we'll get to that later. Yeah. Yeah, I hope you got a good so, charge on your phone, buddy, man. We don't, we don't, we don't cheat our listeners here. They get a good long, uh, <laughs> good long, a good, good long, long show coming up. So strap exactly. in. Well, I know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> listeners get some caffeine yeah. and smoke your weed and do all your things. You prepare. Where were we? Um, we were at the, the band uh, oh, breaking up. Was the heart yeah, soul. Guitardo. Is, yeah. Splitting up, splitting up, Smog Town. Dude, he is full plow party mode and he's taken on like a, a meth addiction mm. and it's basically gone for so long like dude now at the point at this point we're 15 years deep in this and he ends up homeless and out on the streets and mm. it got to the point where that was balancing at the same time at the end of, of the Victoria thing like those two things Balance on each other. Gotcha. Yeah, like he is homeless at the same time he's throwing that record into the corner, saying, "Do I have any more input into this?" Hmm. So Which did he's odd to us, you know. It's like, 
you know, you're taking a big stand on on what the record cover is, but not necessarily a big stand on whether or not you, you know, live under a roof, I guess. Mm. So yeah, because I think in one of the other interviews I heard, you were saying, like, you saw him, like, living under a bridge or something, right? Um, I knew where to, I would drop him off. It was after those, like, those sessions, that recording session. There was a recording session in particular that would become some gross polluter. Well, all of it would become gross polluter songs that Guitardo played on. That was the last time I ever saw him, and I was dropping him off um, in a weird freeway underpath type of thing where there was under construction, but it was being destroyed at the same time. Mm-hmm. And there was like homeless camps there, and I'm dropping them off like, whoa, do you trippy? <laughs> okay. Wow, so, that's, yeah, that's pretty, so you said that was the last time you saw him. Is he, is he no longer with us? I don't know. Well, oh. you know, I'm pretty positive that his sister would have called me if something happened. Oh, so, happened. okay. Okay. So you you just haven't seen him. I just okay. haven't seen him. I do. I've cracked him to where I think he's supposed to be, of where his family's telling me he is. And so... Which which That's sucks it. because I'm you guys kidding. were good. I mean, you were you was it wasn't just a band thing. You guys were friends. You grew up together. Huh. That's that's. Oh uh, yeah, that's... do I met uh, when I moved to Laguna Hills, like in the in late 1986. That's when I met Chris. And um, do we were both? I was straight from the Bay Area. I've just gotten into like um, all that Thrasher skate rock type stuff and. Mm. Christ on Parade and yep. stuff like that, but Chris was into like the Sex Pistols, Ramones, Chelsea, all these other bands like that. And then it got to the point where we had met, and then by 1988 or 89, we swapped um, tastes, basically. <laughs> where all of a sudden I was into that band, these into all these thrash bands. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It just developed what our style of music was going to be. I mean, it turned out we were into everything from that, like new wave. I was telling you about OMD and all that stuff that I was into being young. From my hometown, my friend. From my hometown, OMD. OMD is yes. yeah, yep. Hmm. Merseyside area, yep. So like just being into that type of stuff, and um, also being into craft and discharge. And mm-hmm. uh, hmm. dude, I mean, I'm going as far as Napalm Death and stuff like that so it was just that broad spectrum it just wasn't what was cool and what was you know what these jocks and you know cheerleader chicks are listening to it was just what was odd what we were listening to was odd that wasn't metal because metal was just getting huge I, I get that in your I get that in your music actually because it's pure punk rock to me in that there are really no metal riffs which is pretty uncommon because if you listen to like all the like fat wreck stuff and epitaph stuff, there's almost always a little metal in there. Oh, dude, and I'm gonna have to say like, if, dude, I can almost break down the first five years of of fat records um, listening to it. I worked at Underdog Records, which was um, there in Laguna, and we would get all the like, dude, we get every record, and then we would listen to it, and I would break it down, and I would always say it was like. If Rick Agnew played in RKL, it's like, what do these bands sound like? Mm, and then they yeah. have these songs where they start going like, they keep 
saying whoa, and I <laughs> yeah I'm yeah the ooze and ahs like the no, like records, that the ooze and ahs yeah yeah like you get your chance you finally get the fucking all right dude here's your chance get to the mic and say it what do you got to say <laughs> it's gotten worse too unfortunately <laughs> hey can i play one more smog town song before yeah, before, before, before before we cut let's, out let's on, on the smog town stuff we should, yeah we should let we'll get some gp yeah sure but um okay so some with no words so <laughs> what should i use uh you know what i'm gonna do um he, he screwed you up by throwing that other song at you now you gotta kind of make a he, you gotta he go did. do an audible he totally Come did on, a good quarterback so, and a good so quarterback can do an audible i am now. gonna do the song and it, it's uh, got a lovely title it's called i want to <laughs> fuck my chick in the skate ditch and uh well, it sounds like we're gonna need a long explanation about that one this. yep um so <laughs> and well it won't be too long because of the fucking part but yeah <laughs> um so this is off the third album in Seston. i got a pretty small wiener <laughs> okay that's enough uh this, this is off the, this is off the third album in Seston pestilence from 2011 so this is i want to fuck my chick in the skate ditch Smugtown for you with uh, yeah that song. I don't think um, you need to use your DJ voice for that song. You don't think I was trying to be Rodney on the Rock? How was that? Yeah, right. Yeah, Neil on the Rock. Okay, Chavez, come on, tell was us, that man. A DJ voice? It was, I almost called the cops. It was. <laughs> that was also his pedophile voice. Yes, it was, it was my best. Okay, it was the best I could do. So hey, never mind that. Tell us about this song. What is it? What is that one about? I mean, well, Dude, it's obvious what it's um, about, but you know, kicking the skate itch goes back to we were. Um, we'd mentioned Vader's Crank, I think, a couple of hours ago. Yes, sir. Yes. And <laughs> that is one of the Vader's Crank songs. Okay. That's one of them. So that was the song, that was the band that's you had before you were in Smogtown, right? Dude, it's almost, they, they're almost simultaneous. It's okay. almost like the day that we decided we were going to be Smogtown, we were playing the Vader's Crank show. And the next day, Guitardo was the guitar player, and we were spawned out. Okay. Like, it all happens that yeah. fast. It all happens within the same couple of weeks, but we're in a place where, dude, we're, it's freaking party town. It's Dana Point. Like, we can throw the to Saloon any night or any weekend we want to. Hmm. And it was, so it was happening like that. We were just throwing a show. Boom, we're Vader's Crank. The next, the next weekend, we were spawned down. And yeah, but what about fuck uh, my chicken skate skate yes, is one of the songs that we were doing for Vader's crank. Okay, and who and was this? Who was this unfortunate chick? Town, 
<laughs> Dude, okay, so this is how this goes down. If you go on Google Earth, yes, sir, you can look at modern day Pacific Coast Highway through Laguna Beach going into Corona Del Mar. There is a street called Sand Canyon. If you were to look at it today through Google Earth, it is a series of mansions that look like they're built out of Legos and stuff like that. But back in the mid-90s and early 90s when this was all going on, when the Fuck My Chicken Escape Ditch shit was going down, that was nothing. That was a hill. Um, the Laguna Beach fires came through and burned it all down and burned the old trailer park and, the, and everything. And there was a drainage ditch that kind of worked its way down towards Pacific Coast Highway that was bitching. And they were saying, like, it was funny because sticking out of the middle of it was a fire hydrant that was about 10 feet tall. And hmm. this guy was all, oh, one day that's going to be the street level. We we just thought it was funny. We were like, oh, yeah, whatever, dude. We're here to skate. So we would skate this ditch, and um, a lot of the local skaters would not necessarily like the newer, you know, like skinny board, small wheel skaters, but yeah. a lot of like your older big wheel, wide board ditch yep. skaters that, were that's coming me. down. And yeah. So everyone was all about in that mid-20s range about then. And, uh, dude, they'd have these big parties down there. Like, it was cool. Like, there'd be lanterns and fires, and it was just so far into the wilderness, I guess you could call it back then, that no mm-hmm. one really even gave a crap. Uh, Tim and I, one day, we were on our way to, to go skate these pools in Laguna that were in these abandoned houses that, that had burned down during the Laguna fire that happened in, like, 93 it, so yeah, I guess that'd be the year that this all happened. It would be around that time, 93, 94 or something. And uh, then we move over to the ditch. And we get to the ditch, and when we walk up to it, there's like this pair of like pretty nice G-string underwear. And I don't mean like like, like they've been sitting there for months or anything. Like these are flat. We're like, oh, what the heck? And then Tim held them up to me like just like, in, like, like he was a – Freaking lady at Victoria's <laughs> Secrets or something. Like, oh, try these on. He's held them up. He looked at me with his funny face and go, dude, I want to fuck my chicken skate ditch. There we go. <laughs> there it was. There Brad, it was. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, let's make that a song. And I swear to God, like that night, I think we had that song. And like it, it moved that fast. And then so when we became Smog Town, uh, Chris or already knew the riffs. Oh, did I know that song? Yeah. And then so when certain dudes were in the audience, like particular guys that we were friends with that would skate that that ditch that knew that story, Dingo mm-hmm. and um, this guy Sean Durante and all these other dudes that we that were friends with, when they were there, we would play that song. And so it finally just got to the point where like, dude, we have to do the song on an album. And yeah, it was funny it, because it was freaking like 16 years. I was going to say it was like 16 years day. later. Yeah. Well, it works. I mean, you know, it it fits in with the style perfectly. So, you know, it's a it's a standout on that album, I must say, in my opinion. It's, it's funny because we always just thought that the lyrics were funny because it's not really about screwing the chicken skate. It's just about all the stupid stuff that you want to do. Sure. Like, 
Yeah. No, as a matter of fact, you've told us two stories about songs now, Berlin Girls and that one, and it doesn't sound like either of them actually ended with you getting laid. So. <laughs> No, none of them did. <laughs> well, you know, then yeah, write a song but... about it, you know. <laughs> there, you go. Yeah. there you go. Well, he says he wants so, to screw his dick, his, his chick in this gate ditch. He didn't actually do it, true. you know. It's true. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. I didn't do it, yeah. <laughs> so, so to wrap up. Those so, ones so I... are called uh, Neutron Blonde and Squares would be the ones where I... Where I um, actually do it? Did Completed do your mission? Yeah. Good man. Go. Good that's man. Where I, that's where I completed the humping. That's the... <laughs> so... So to ra- <laughs> go on, Tom, get it out. Well, no, because so so you obviously did the twenty year reissue of Fears of the New Wave just came out early earlier this year, twenty twenty. Back when you know things still happened in twenty twenty before yeah. all everything's before um, the death disease. Yeah. So reading the before the liner. Reading the liner notes on the inside of this thing, which is it's got the old fashioned. You got a, you got this too, Neil. The, the old fashioned like folded up cover, yes, but sir. it's like six LP covers. Like it's like a huge poster. But anyway, yes. in fact, you guys should got, all go out and buy it and support Garage Rock Records because they fucking Garage rule. Rock Garage Rock have done a great job and, with this. And, and our new Pel Chavez, exactly. Yeah. So, um, the uh, so my understanding is you were kind of writing the original wrongs of that record. Was that something that had always bothered you that you, you just need feel like you needed to get done, or was that Jason's vision, or whose whose idea was this? Yeah, because they reordered the track list. Dude, that yeah. was me. That's okay. always been um, me. Unfortunately, I was hoping that Chris Guitardo could be there with me to do it because See. he was the one that had the complaints in the first place, mm. and so. When we recorded the album in the first place, the songs are in the exact order that they are in now. That's the the order we recorded them in. Because this is really our first time making a full length. We were kind of like, before we would make songs and put them in order later on. Then this is the first time that we ever... um, you know, got to make like a full length album. So we, we just didn't know how that, how that worked. And we really wanted it to run in a certain, certain order. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, it wasn't supposed to be in an order or a concept album. It just, that's how I wrote the lyrics when, dude, I'm a huge procrastinator. And when it came to writing lyrics, it was like, all right, they're in there recording. I better get these lyrics written out. I knew what I wanted to say, what the song titles were. I just didn't have the words. And when it came to writing the words to, you know, however many that is, 13, 14 songs, it was just easier to do it that way, I think. And it came out good. The problem is when the record label heard it, this would be bomp, bomp records. It's actually Disaster Records, which is part of Alive, some or Alive, which is part of Bump. Really? Like the old, yeah. Bump. They used to put out like the bad, record. bad like Dead Boys like live bootlegs. Yeah. Dead like Boys yep. and um, yep, the Weirdos yep. and all these other things. It's mostly like hastily, that. hastily thrown together sort of bad boombox recordings. Weird stuff. Well, yeah. the weirdo stuff was great when they, you know, it, the okay. 80s and all that. I think it's Josie Cotton, maybe, like Johnny, Are You Queer, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I know that one. That's some kind of like new wave K-Rock hit. 
Mm. Um, that type of stuff. So that's the parent company. Then mm. there's a live total energy is the thing. And they would put out like the stooges and, um, stuff like that. But weird, like, you know, like remixed um, from the David Bowie like remixes or whatever. Yeah. And the iguana tapes and these weird, like, you know, what's yep, yep. this? Yeah, it's it, dude, going so, on, going on the Bomp website. I know you're not a web guy, but it's it's endless entertainment going on the Bomp website. So it's still around. So oh, I could imagine it's a rabbit hole of just like what yes. the hell is this weird same crap that you packaged in. Yeah, but you don't even know. Well, exists. dude, Smog Town's in there. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, that's where where um, they gave Dwayne that disaster record. They let him kind of take his own thing because he was on. Um, Alive doing Garibaldi Guard. Hmm. I think that's what what's the label is. Alive Total Energy doing Garibaldi Guard for U.S. Bombs. And they also did uh, something right before they went on to Epitaph. Two of them. There's one called Nevermind the Open Mind. Here's the U.S. Bombs or something like that. Hmm. And those were also um, Total Energy Alive. And then that's how we ended up in there. Like Dwayne got us in there, and we're the first uh, band on that disaster records, which is part of that bigger label. So you had good distribution, was theoretically. Excellent distribution, and do oh, it gets better. I'll get there. He um, Patrick is the guy that runs the whole label, and he um, really was. This is. 1999 when we're putting everything together cds are huge radio airplay is huge and he's like yep. i could get this on the radio but the thing is you've got to have your your hard hitter has to be the first song that's how it gets played oh like so the whole yeah. album just got rearranged i'm the cancer went to the top hmm. and the whole album got arranged from there well, so um, that's why. Okay. then Here's check out. This is badass that people start to catch wind that the album's out of order and all this stuff. And we're getting all these write-ups and magazines, like alternative press and weird things like that, where they were talking about this hidden um, concept album about suburbia and all this stuff and really making it a lot more than it was, but really just playing right into what we were after in the first place. Hmm. And so that's really where the whole kind of mystique about the whole thing started just rising up. And then, so when the next record came up, they wouldn't let us produce us, produce it ourselves. They had Rob Malucky, who was the guitar player from the pushers. And at the time, the Huns. and hmm. really they put his credit on there. Cause we borrowed his, um, Marshall amp or something like that. And, but they let us do the orders of the songs and the mastering, which was super important to me. I'm like, um, albums just keep being this collection of songs. You can mix up the, the order. And if you heard it in that order, that's the way you like to hear it. Whereas like there had to be lead-ins like one song has to lead into the next if you ever listen to like group sex or yep. other good albums you can't imagine hearing one song without it going into the next and if exactly. it doesn't yep. then you're like oh well, fuck this dude so that's what when we made domestic violence land they gave us that control and then unfortunately from there we just 
we wouldn't go on tour. We wouldn't sign over any publishing rights. And they ended up getting rid of us. Or actually, we signed a contract for another freaking album. And um, all I had to offer them was the demo tapes. So they literally gave us the money for the, you know, to do a full album just to give them the demo tapes. So that's Tales of Gross Pollution. Hmm. So, but it was fun, fun working with them. That was hmm. great. I mean, it was great for us because we were getting to be an art band. We had full record label backing and, you know, letting us just go for it in the studio. There's the album. Hmm. Okay. So, so, so you split up, Smogtown split up, and you were not. Did I get? The, let me know if I'm getting the story right or wrong. But you were not originally in Gross Polluter, or you were. Gross Polluter originally started without you. So check this out. We are playing our very last show. Small town is a big part of. Uh oh, you starting to go up. Oh, oh shoot! Sorry. No, you good know, now. Right. You good now? That's good. Go ahead. Um, start. Start over with the. We were playing our last with, show. Um, we're playing our very last show and we're having a little bit of a fallout with Guitardo. He's not going to show up. Did you know, and, did you know uh, it was going to be your last show? Was it like a planned last show or just ended up being no, your last it wasn't. show? It was just a show that we had planned. It was big. Okay. It was a blast and final conflict. Nice. Blast. Oh, nice. Yeah. Great show. Final sure. conflict's no joke either. And that was stuff that we both loved when we were young, Guitardo and I. Yeah. So it yep. was like, it was a rad show. Um, dude, he just didn't make it. And, that was the last time I ever talked to him was right before we played that show. And so, so he did, so he did end up showing, he didn't end up showing up. No, he never, never showed up. I talked to him on the phone and it was like, Oh, I'm going to make it type of thing. Like that, that, that brief, that, that short. So what the heck did you end up doing? Did yeah. you end up playing or no? Oh yeah. Because we had a second guitar player, which is John Potty. Ah, who was added on for the other one? He could play the parts. He was like, "All right, we do it." They wanted right. to continue on in small town. Like, let's just keep doing shows. And I was like, "No, not without guitar. No, I'm not doing it." Um, okay. They had started a little like three piece thing. So it was Tim and Ted and John. Ted replaced Chip Beef, original small town, and John replaced Guitardo, original small town. So. Really, the only original Smart Town guys at this point are me and Tim. And we started Gross Polluter, which was just new songs that we had made up that never went anywhere. Songs that we'd had for years that never that we never did. Hmm. So we started that. And uh, my son's raced, he raced motorcycles. He still does, but he was, you know, a little kid racing motorcycles. And it was every we were going every weekend and it kind of took over being in a band at that time so i was i bowed out you know we already had these songs like pretty much the way that you're hearing them on the album that's how we had them then for a couple years they went on with darren um from feral and did their version of gross polluter so that's how those separate you know the separate records come about and then how did you end up getting back in the band? Darren quit. Okay. 
Okay. He got mad at someone and just like walked out, and they're all like, "Great, play like." And and you had time with him. Or or like, oh yeah, dude, we'll play some Smokedown songs. And we played some Smokedown songs. And from that day, I was like, "Dude, why don't I just be the singer of Chris Blue?" Did you? Uh, yeah, that was it. So you just missed it and uh, just felt good, and you just got back into it. You had more time again, or you just found time? Yeah, I had more time. My, um, we had just worked out a different, if you want, a different series altogether to race in, where you're not racing every weekend uh, around the same you know spots. We just picked a more national series to go travel around to i guess it's not any more less stressful i guess you should say it's just different mm. i could pull it off now that's it so okay so the first two okay so again as a collector i, I got all the gross polluta stuff so they have the one album but they have three singles now the first two singles you do not sing on correct the ones that have a different logo I sing backups i sing backups on the one with the different logo well there's two with different logos songs there's, 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 yeah, there's, there's like yeah, there's the one with like a kid holding a skateboard and gross polluters written on on the skate on the yellow skateboard in red. That's got Breakwater Blues yeah. and Sleepless City and stuff on it. So there's that mm. one, and then yep. there's another one with like it looks like a guy surfing in a in a in a uh, gas mask. Gas mask or something like yeah, that. That's yeah, that's it. Yeah. So there's yeah, those. so I don't I sing backups on those. I was there to the day they recorded them. Oh, okay, cool. Like so, that's how tight everything is still going on. Okay. Like so it wasn't like there was any. There was no hard feelings. You just you just took a break, basically. Yeah, I could. I just couldn't be in a band, and then so if they're going to continue being on in a band, like I'm like, oh, well, dude, I'll come check out you guys in the studio and stuff. It's the same studio we always go to, and like hmm. so, yeah, I was. It's all. I was there from the whole time. So. So and you, yeah, you so. mentioned you mentioned Sleepless City, and you mentioned. Uh, Breakwater Blues. So obviously, you recorded those. You did different versions. Are they, I don't. I haven't heard the originals. Are they? Are they similar? Yeah, are the same. versions that ended up on the record similar? Just different singer. Okay. Dude, okay. Different. So Breakwater Blues is exact, not exact lyrics. Breakwater Blues has different lyrics, maybe a different pattern over what's going on, but the the, the bottom track is exactly the same. Oh, so you just you, you re sang it over the. Okay. Yeah, I resang it, and then Sleepless City has different lyrics and a slightly different um, structure, but most of all the same song. And we didn't have any qualms about doing that whatsoever. We were like, "Oh, dude, we want to confuse people. This is going to be freaking bitching. <laughs> like this is rad. Like just put out the records. Like put out the songs. People will like the ones they like." And we still plan on doing the full, like, because there's a full length they did under that. It's the same songs, but not done in a single format. Um, so there's probably four or five more songs that are missing out of there hmm. um, that is still ready to be done. And I think they, I think it should be done. I like. And when I so say you're gonna, like, you're gonna, hey, you're gonna I, write I, another I five songs be. and make? We're gonna do another five songs and do an LP, or are you thinking like a seven inch or what? No, I'm thinking that we just release it as a full length with Darren singing on it with all oh, those okay. songs, but it's the other five songs that are missing off of it onto one, onto one huh. 12 inch. Okay. That's a good huh. idea. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, should we play Sleepless City yeah. soon as we've just talked Let's, about it? I, I got a pretty good idea what Sleepless sure. City is about, I think. I, I, I knew it was about one of two drugs. Now I'm pretty sure I know what drug it's about, but 
man, I got to tell you, this song, I know you said you grew up listening to Kiss. This song is, man, this is a catchy song. This I, I find myself walking around the, you know, like walking around the kitchen making coffee, you know, singing this one to myself of all the songs on the new That's record. Which I, I like all the songs, the but I think this one has a huge hook. <laughs> is it? Okay, cool. So talk it in, so, Tom. Give, give us an so yeah, man, this this is this is from the new new Gross Pluter album. Just came out early 2020. The people get what the people get. And if this song doesn't get stuck in your head, you probably don't have anything between your ears. This is Sleepless City.
What a perfect introduction by Tom right there. Uh, Sleepless City by uh, I hit Gross. my post. Gross. I hit you my did. Post. It was beautiful. And you did I noticed you didn't come back in with your pedophile voice I after, after uh, <laughs> yeah, Javis mocked you once you about it. it. Yeah, you fucking upset me now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was sleepless. going to, but my phone was on mute. <laughs> sleep, sleep. Well, I've been, I've been muting intermittently because it's been raining so hard behind me, and it's so hot up here. I had to have my windows open, or I will, I will uh, drown in my own sweat and tears so. dude i wondered why you got so quiet when he was doing the story behind behind uh fuck my chick in the skate ditch you got so i was holding quiet. back tears i thought you were so sleeping <laughs> no it was so emotional i was holding back tears i didn't want you guys to hear me sobbing no i uh it's, that is it's, an it, emotional story isn't it it's it like is. it's like it's windy it's it's the weather's crazy so there's this thing coming up from like it's hitting Louisiana or something, and it's coming up across the Midwest. And they say for the first time in at least recorded history, a tropical storm might reach Lake Superior. And I don't know how many geography experts we got out there, but it's this anyway. We're getting some crazy weather up here in the Midwest. So, but it's been hot as balls. But anyway, Mr. enough about the weather. Senor Chavez, let me ask Dude, you about for this. For your female listeners, balls are freaking hot. <laughs> they are They're always hot, even on a... even in the winter. Balls are exactly. Hot. Okay, yeah. this has gone in a weird place. So, okay, so those first, <laughs> those first so two, delicate, those first first two gross polluter singles, they only seem to be released in Europe. Was that correct? On like No Front Teeth records or something like that? What what, what was the deal with that? Uh, yeah, that's No Front Teeth, Marco, and um, dude, Marco's awesome. He, um. But he's another one of those multiple cover guys, but we already covered that. Yes. So, Marco, <laughs> if you're listening, the next one only needs one. But why um, But why out of you? Is he in Europe? Whereabouts is Marco? He's in England. He's he in, is in London. England. Okay. And he has his band. Like, dude, um, No Front Teeth Records has got some cool stuff that they do. They've got a lot of just, it's, very low runs, like 300, but there's so many freaking bands, and some of them are really good, some of them are really bad, but you know that there's always something coming out of there that's not ultra-produced or super lame. He's got a really good thing going on there. But why? And uh, he was willing enough to... to okay, so Darren from Cyril is a fucking nutsack. He, um, Which I, do, is another I, might, word for, I think I another have word for balls. For, that's true. No, <laughs> not the balls, just the outer part. That's true. It. Just like the protective satchel. Like just the sack the part. Like, yeah, you can fill them with coins. <laughs> you know, you can Feels fill them with coins and use them for another purpose. Like, there you go. Dude, he's just a nut sack. He's, um, so. He doesn't have, like, dude, really, when you're looking at Hostage Records and a lot of these um, Orange County bands or Orange County labels and what they're looking for, is, dude, they're looking, when it comes to punk, they're looking for middle-aged boy bands. They're 
Yeah, gotcha. Do, do you have a tattoo in the right spot? And are That's you going to do the woes? Are you mid-tempo? Are you going full crust on us? And we don't, you know, we're looking for social distortion styles. We're looking for a mellower Dwayne. We, hmm. You know, we want something that delivers. And um, Darren is not that whatsoever. He's a freaking toothless freak. He is <laughs> no front teeth records. There um, you go. Toothless freak. He's <laughs> fucking weirdo, dude. He's into voodoo and all kinds of weird things. <laughs> and Rick from um, Hostage does not like anything outside of that. Like we uh, we skate, we look cool, we and so Darren was the perfect person to put in that spot. Well, the only and, the only problem I have with that is if you want to actually buy the records, it's really fucking hard because they had to mail order everything oh, yeah. from England. <laughs> so sure. in the ass. And what happened Thanks. was no one would put the record out. And I thought that was a ballsy move on, like the rest of the guys in Gross Polluter, Tim, Tim Ted, and John, to, mm-hmm. to use Darren, because I just thought, like, dude, really? Like, that is a gnarly move, and that's why, like, Darren sounds like Darren sounds, and Darren was what Darren was, and... Um, now, what is Darren's last name? Let's give him a shout out. Hall, Darren Jeffrey Hall. Darren, Darren, no, Darren, no teeth Hall. Right now. There you go. Yeah, be safe. Okay. Well, uh, know. he's he's a good guy. He's, I mean, no, he's not a good guy. What am I fucking saying? He's a nutsack. Well, he's from London. Uh, he's from London, so that's all you need we, to say. No, you no, know, Darren is. Darren is from Long Beach, California. Oh, he's what? part of our circle of friends. Darren is. Oh, well, who's the guy from the, London who put it out? Marco. Marco. Oh, Jesus Christ. Try to, try to pay attention. Neil. Too many, be- no, I'm too many beers to in, dude. I could totally use another me beer. Too. I was thinking about sending a text to my daughter downstairs yeah, to do see it. if I could talk her into getting me one. Sure. Oh, She's I young. could do that and then She's have young. her just swing on by this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, not after you've been talking about your nutsack. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, anyway, this, this guy, he's, he's that type of dude. He's just crazy. He likes to do, you know... You know, he just—he's more in your face and gnarlier than than your average Orange County band. So therefore, you couldn't get any of the local labels to put them out. Mm-hmm. You know, they were like, "Oh, dude, you know, come see our band." And, oh, yeah, I heard of the old small town. Like, yeah, let's go check it out. And then they're seeing this guy, and they're like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, dude, this is not has nothing to do with small town. I think that guy's arm was on fire. And, <laughs> but, so it's you're saying you're band. saying you really wanted to see the version of of uh, Gross Polluter with the other guys singing because he was a madman. <laughs> that's what you're that's what you're saying. Huh? You're, adverti- you're advertising for the other guy. Well, I have to listen. Yeah, I, 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 be, I actually need I actually need to find or listen to those singles. Good the other luck. Guys singing. Good luck finding them, buddy. <laughs> well, listen. <laughs> I think they're on the internet. Yes, they yeah, are. So that's where I had to buy mine. To, you yeah. just have to be willing to pay international shipping, and there's no yep. planes going back and forth, so it has to go on the slow boat. Yeah, it takes about two months, but uh, it's worth, worth it. It's worth it. So the third single, Cynical Scumbaggery, and obviously the album, you went back to the old kind of Smogtown logo, which basically means that you were singing on it, right? I guess if you're going back to that old logo, that's, that, that's exactly. you. That's you, yeah. That, yep. If it has that logo, I'm singing on it. There you that's go. Our, that's how we differentiate it, and we were hoping to to keep moving on with that. It's like, so 
just a forewarning, you may hear other gross polluters with a different logo that are the same band, but a different singer. So, huh. just what? to confuse people and possibly make people mad and trip them out. But I don't think, you know, I don't see myself like going on a, a tour or headlining the punk rock bowling or or anything. So I figured like, let's so you there know, might be a touring version. So there might be a touring, record. a touring version that doesn't include you. There would, there, no. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking upset him now. What have you done? Well, I thought that's what he was saying. Yeah, I thought he was who saying knows? <laughs> no, point. there might be other records that don't have on, have me on them. Gotcha. Oh, like you're no, just talking. Like you're just talking. I yeah. just wouldn't be the main. Oh, it yeah. wouldn't be that logo. It'd be a different gotcha. logo and. I would be a background player all of a sudden. And it would be Davis Crank. And it would be guys who, you know, are... Crank, I wasn't the singer. Oh, you weren't? What'd you play? I was the guitar player. I am the the character known as Skag Destro, Hmm. who who produces all the albums as well. Really? So if you you look at Smogtown albums, it says Skag Destro. Do you see, now that you guys have gotten down this rabbit hole... Damn straight we have, fucking hell. Isn't it? So it's like uh, what was the guy? What was Greg Ginn when he or Dale Nixon? I was like the the bass player on those on the Black Flag album was Dale Nixon, but it was actually Greg Ginn. That was like his. Uh... But it's actually Greg Ginn. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. You guys are good. So what? So we, how many? We got a couple songs left here, and you don't know. Uh yeah, you wanted to play um, Mast M uh, Mast VR. I don't know how you even pronounce it, Master uh, whatever the fuck. Yeah. Dude, it's called M A S T. VR. Yes, sir. And what, well, it's fu- it's, it's funny because. And what does that sound for again? Let me give you. Let me give you my interpretation. Of this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It stands for. Manufactured Action Sports TV Riot. Yes, and I agree with That's every word. Yes. And what I, I love this song because it takes the piss out of like the whole like. Uh, to me, it's like taking the piss out of the whole like warp tour warp kind tour. of. Yes, Fuck I mean, is that, is that kind of what you're? I mean, maybe not that specifically, but is, I mean, yes. I assume that's what you're kind of doing. Making fun of the kids. <laughs> that's um, it is exactly that. It's not just the warp tour. It's, yeah. Um, in Huntington Beach, uh, that's a couple cities north of us. It's I mean, it's a big city, and on your NBC Sports and all that, they're going to have this. OP Pro or the U.S. Open of Surfing, I think it's called. And back when I was a kid, like in the 80s, I think it was 87, there was the OP Pro Riot. And I really don't know how it started. All of a sudden, just a bunch of freaking surfers and skateboarders went haywire and started a riot in Huntington Beach. That's cool. Um, It was something else. And we were there. We got to see it. it so it's about a specific crazy. situation. Okay, I was. I see. My interpretation was more but like that's not what it's about. Okay, ah, that see. is one. Of, that's that happened. That's just a, an event in history. Well, as the years went on, that event was banned, and they decided, like, okay, we're going to start easing it back in, and they started calling it the U.S. Open of Surfing. You can watch this on your national television ESPN two or whatever ESPN or whatever it's on and what happened was maybe six or seven years ago um, they were bringing back the skateboarding thing Kristen Hussoy is there and in between every commercial they said 
here we are, the U.S. Open of Surfing, the site of the 1987 OP Pro Riot. <laughs> then the commercial would stop. And then here we are, back at the 87, not to mention this is where the 1987 OP Pro Riot was. Yeah, and they're making money off of it. Yeah. Until by the time it got to Sunday morning, late morning, afternoon, it was like if the freaking riot doesn't happen, these people are going to start asking for the money back and there's going to be shit to happen. <laughs> and sure enough, that it was almost as if the TV camera's standing around. Come on, throw the um, bottle at the van sign. Hey, there he is. Get the picture of the guy with the tattoo on his neck all angry. And <laughs> it's the revolution is fake now. Yeah, it's, and, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's the selling of it's the using of the subculture to sell crap. Yeah. That's what, at least that's and, the way I interpret it. Of it. You know, selling yeah, our subculture to. So crap, yeah. So let's not the action sports only. Like there's all kinds of other. Everyone's an activist. Everyone's rebelling against society. Yeah, yeah, you know. And there's like a dude down the street that is a full Trump supporter, and he's rebelling against (sighs) the society taking away gun. He's gonna. Yeah. So man, he's got tattoo of Punisher skull. (laughs) <laughs> with a flag, and he's got a tattoo on his neck of some of some shit. But you know, when we look at him, we're looking at him like, "Oh, dude, this guy's like action sports extreme punk." He wears yeah. Vans and everyone Monster yeah, Energy drinks. Everyone, yeah, everyone is extreme. Everyone is yeah. rebelling against the society that's held him down, and some of the people like did some of the stuff that's holding him down. Goddamn ridiculous. And till the till the store, you know, till you're finally just like, dude, it's all fake. It's all, yeah. um, and I really feel that way about the kind of action sports, um, skateboards, especially the surfing industry, where they're like, you know, come and buy into the good life, and you know, you can be cool too, and. I dude, I don't know. We're trying that's to put what that's about. We're trying to put skateboarding in the Olympics as just the fucking epitome of that scumbaggery. I hate that. It's not an organized sport. It's it it's never yeah. has been. Never has been. You can't no, judge it. You free, can't judge it. Being it's, creative. Yeah. Yeah. It's just do whatever the fuck you want. I mean, that's the beauty of skateboarding. All right. So let's you know. let's let's yeah. Let's play this skate. song that I mistakenly. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I cut you. Off. I stepped on you. No, go on. Play the song. Go on, Tom. You, no, you I was going to say it. that I mistakenly called Master, but it's because it, it, the song title is looks like Master except for with a V instead of the, where the E should be. Yeah. So and I'm not. I'm still yeah, going to call. I'm yeah. still going to say it's Master with the V except where the E would be because if I don't, I'm going to screw up the title. Okay. But this is also from the new uh, Gross Bluter album. The people get what the people get. That's that. 
there it was that was mastvra m-a-s-t-v-r is what that was and that's a great song and i mean if i if i really took my time i could probably say the title right but no 
So all you have to do is go here. Check this out. Yeah, it's actually my favorite. It's actually my favorite song on the album. Funnily so, enough, so I know I a actually, lot of people like Sleepless City, but I think that's the best song on the album. Well, it's, it's funny. I actually, I actually want to double back for a second because I meant to have him explain Sleepless City. I mean, it, it's it's oh yeah, it's clearly about drugs, but I, I I am assuming it's about meth, about your pal with the meth problem. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, that's dude. It's about guitar. That's our. Okay. He was our buddy, and that was it. Um, we used to call the Sleepless City. We used to call that Santa Ana. Like, oh, dude, got to take the Sleepless City and freaking because like all the tweakers and everything. Mm. And that's where that came from. And there in Santa Ana, it's kind of like the main. It's the county seat of Orange County. It's mm. kind of the biggest city in in Orange County. So there's a lot of like where these freeways all meet up, and that's kind of where he. Um, where he lived, where there was like these freeway underpass type type situations in the homeless mm. camp that we were talking about before. So, mm. who who had his guitar at that point? I mean, because he couldn't have had his guitar with him, right? Because it would have got stolen or some shit. No, he didn't. Um, I have, I dude, I still have his guitar. Hmm. I have the guitar. Um, I don't have the head. He pawned the head right. Oh, that would have been right before we did. Um, the cynical scumbaggery, mm-hmm. his popular, um, and those. What's the other two that he's on? Are Oasis of Undersell, and oh, he actually plays on some of the Gross Polluter stuff. Yeah, those four. On, oh, wow! The two on that single, those are he plays on those, and mm. his popular and Oasis of Undersell are songs that he wrote for. Smogtown a long time ago. Oh, wow. Had those laying around for so long. Okay. Um, unfortunately, we can't play those things live. That's how good Guitardo was. Hmm. Like, without him, it's hard to play certain songs. Hmm. Well, that's a shame. That's a shame. So, so 2020, right? What a shit sandwich for a band. I mean, you guys aren't full-time, so it's a little easier for you guys, I assume. But you're not really able to promote the record, right? I mean... I mean, you're talking to us. That's that's something. But I mean, you, you gonna try to be creative, trying to promote this thing, or what's what's the plan? What's the plan to help our pal Jason out to promote a the new record and b the reissue? Or is there no plan, dude? I don't really know what to do. It's fact, us. Let's make it up, Tom. Let's produce it. That's true. Done. Um, I think we would have done um, the same thing had there been no lockdown. That's how inactive and sporadic <laughs> we are. So, like, well, I assume you would have done I a release. You would have done a release show or something, probably, right? Uh, we did a release show. Oh, you did it. You got like, that in. Kind of a surprise thing. We got it in. Oh, okay. it was funny oh that's cool. I think Jason was sick and didn't want to come, and we made him because we're all, dude. You have the records. It's the only show we're going to play all year. Mm. <laughs> and it's a good thing he came. Like we sold some records to the local. Like it was in San Clemente, across the street from Tim's house. Uh, to our local fans, and that was it. Like otherwise, we would have been playing a lot, uh, a lot in Southern California, like San Diego, Orange County, and then obviously San Francisco, which would have helped would have sold out the run, which had yeah. always kind of been our thing. We didn't need to run more to to run off and do a big tour yet. Although, like, no one's ever saying that's out of the book. Like, if I can 
Like if a shitload of money lands in my backyard, then hello, we're doing something. Well, I'll give you fifty <laughs> bucks. I'll give you fifty bucks to come play in Chicago. How's that? There you go. Does that work? It's pretty close by. <laughs> yeah, too. totally. And you can stay with me, so it'll <laughs> that, all be cool. Works. You guys can all stay here. It'll be great. Put do the you, show on here. Do you even dare? Do you even dare start to? I mean, would you dare book a show in California for the fall, even or late summer? Or are you not even? You're not even. Yeah, how is, Cal- how is yeah. California? You guys still locked down, or is it is it pretty much? You know, oh, it's it... fully locked down. I oh, don't think there's going to be any live shows for for a long time. It means there's going to be no live venues fall. left, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't think that that's something, and unfortunately, it's unfortunately it's going to start forcing bands to come into a more creative space, like that I'm thinking towards, like more video movie based like um dude i never saw rudimentary peni or craft live until i was sure. well i never saw rudimentary peni live and that's still one of my favorite bands and i think it's my favorite band because of that hmm. because hmm. i never saw them live and then crass i didn't see until i think it would have been 2000 and something Oh, that would have been but Steve Ignorant just doing his tour, doing those songs, right? Or, yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah. No, it was actually crass. It was like 2015 or 16. No, it was, it was just hmm. it was just Something Steve like, Ignorant and some other guys is what it was. Um, uh, well, yeah, that wasn't okay. that wasn't, then, yeah, I mean, so let's face it, Neil, pretty much real crass. Yeah. every band that's the more than 20 years old. And all that stuff I think is cool. Like, hmm. I, to me, that's what always endured me to those bands it wasn't the fact that i saw them live is that that was something that i could grasp onto and that's honestly that's why we did the fold-out poster for the smog town thing was oh, cool. in honor of press rudimentary pain yeah, yeah. and those bands that's the reason i did it was because they're not going to see us live there has to be some tangible thing that spreads out over their bed that takes up their living space, you know, that makes yeah, them yeah, yeah. Kind of, like, I don't want to say forces them into, to what you're trying to put there, but shit, I'm going to, you know, it it's forces funny. It. Like it, it's you, funny. It's I, an album. You open it up and you look yeah. at it and you have to deal with that right now. I generally am irritated when a record doesn't have a spine because they're harder to dig out and harder to store and whatnot. But when I open that thing up, I'm like, I'm cool with this thing not having a spine. It is freaking huge. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool yeah, packaging. It's cool. Um, I'll t- tell you what, on, on some of the other things I've heard you interviewed on, man, you tell some funny stories about um, going out shopping, whatever, as a suburban dad or whatever, and then seeing people with, uh, with like, punk rock sweatshirts or jackets on or whatever. So uh, do you want to tell us a couple of those stories? Because they're funny as hell. Dude, Put the guy in the spot. I love the punkers. <laughs> dude, I love punkers. And um, dude, maybe I'm low key. I wear. I have the same uniform that seventh grade, and it's. Um, I think I didn't start wearing winos until I was maybe fourteen or fifteen. But I would wear band slip-ons, mm-hmm. Levi's cuff jeans, white t-shirts. I have a. I guess it's still, you know, a punk look, I guess, but I can go undercover real easy in Southern California. I just look like a normal suburban dad. Sure. And I run into punkers everywhere. And the, I don't think they, they know that I have a 
freaking knowledge at all or or anything in punk. And so when I see people wearing like punk shirts, I always say like, oh, fucking freaky punker people. <laughs> you know, they look at you kind of like, oh, holy shit, dude, you're, you're dick. And I'm all, oh, dude, you like, you know, whatever shirt they're wearing. No, you, you know, were saying you subhumans. Y- well, yeah, you were saying one about there was a, wasn't there a girl in a, in a supermarket with a subhuman sweatshirt or something on, and you were talking to her or something. Oh, and yes, you, you... <laughs> dude, I I saw her, dude. Okay, and I'm with my kids too. Like, so my kids are with me, and I'm like the <laughs> the chick. I mean, she's maybe 15 or 16, and she has a subhuman Day of the Country Guide sweatshirt on, and I'm all. Holy shit, I love sweatshirts. My a great kids record. are all like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> my kids are all like, dude, dad is doing this again. They're like, I'll do dad, leave her alone. And I'm all, do you like subhumans? The chick's all like, oh, yeah. And the mom is like, oh, oh my God, he likes your sweatshirt. Like, <laughs> no way, you like your sweatshirt? I'm all, yes, I have this album. It's freaking rule. I'm all, what's your favorite song? And then I'm all like, Mine's Subvert City. No, mine's... <laughs> the chick never even got a word in. I well, just... well, at least you knew the record. I mean, that's yeah, that's pretty good. Fuck yeah, hmm. I know the record. Like, no, she knew the record. She, she, she knew the record, though, right? I hope she knew the record. She knew the record. Oh. Yeah, she was just yeah. embarrassed. Some freaking... Some old guy was talking I, dude, to her. I think my son probably went to her school, too. Yeah. Like, oh, God. <laughs> my school. Like, and I, then I'm there telling her about... Oh, do you like rudimentary peni? Have you ever heard Zounds? You know, yeah. like, I have to go. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah, I, I know that. I, yeah, I love seeing punkers. I love talking about punk music, yep. and especially when it's in a situation where people aren't expecting you to, um, you know, to to know that you even knew punk. It's almost like. Uh, being on vacation in some weird foreign country and all of a sudden you meet some guy that speaks your language and not only speaks your language, but, you know, likes the same music as you. Well, dude, that's uh, how, I, I that's view how it, it was, that way. That's how it was in the early 80s. If you saw anybody in a, with a, wearing a badge or a T-shirt or something like that, you'd immediately have a bond with them, right, and be able to talk to them and stuff like that. So that that's how it used to be. Um, wasn't there somebody that you saw that had like actually smog town painted on the, on their jacket? So you yelled out your car at them or something and they flipped you off or something. <laughs> oh, dude, no. So, um, I, you know, I live in a regular suburban area in a red, you know, full suburbia. Yeah. And I, um, have this, like, it's a black four by four. It's not like a punker car. It doesn't have punker stickers or anything. It's just your normal <laughs> car and then um because you know in our area our band is pretty big especially amongst like the punker kids you know they know yeah. about small small town south county and all the shit and so the the crusty dudes especially which stokes me out um have taken it on and i saw this dude he's a crusty punker it's 80 degrees and he's wearing a leather jacket crossing this like one of the main streets by my house and i'm making a right onto that street when i see him and dude i rolled down my window and i honked the horn i'm like oh fuck yeah dude small town and the dude just looked at me and slid me off oh fuck you (laughs) thought you were a cop or something thought you're a nerd dude (laughs) Uh, dude, he thought i was some ding dong he he saw my wife like oh fuck you you blonde wife i fuck off like (laughs) 
Yeah. yeah it's my... then, um, dude, I rolled up the window and my wife saw, that dude just flipped you off. <laughs> Are you bumble? That was fucking awesome. That's one of my fans. That's what he should do. He should do that to everybody. That, dude, <laughs> that's and a joke. That's so th- on that. The reason I enjoyed that story so much, dude, was because I remember um, reading this story about talking about crass, about um, Penny Rimbaud, um was in London, you know, uh, the hippie looking main guy from Crass, right? Um, and he was walking down the street. Yeah, he's like, and, like a drummer, right? Yeah, he was walking down the street on the King's Road or something, you know. And this is like late seventies, early eighties, and he sees these like postcard type punk rockers, right, with like Crass all over the back of the leather jackets. And uh, they all start giving him shit and calling him a dirty hippie and stuff, you know, not knowing that he plays in the fucking band that's all over yeah, their jackets. No, no, he's <laughs> the one that's running the cadence that they're marching to. Exactly, that's exactly. I just thought that Dad. was fucking funny as hell, you know. Talk about stupid. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's pretty funny stuff. Good stuff. Um, hmm. But what else, man? What else is? Uh, what else do you want to talk about? Parting that shots. is it for me. Yeah. Um, parting, sh- parting shots. I, I think we're going back into the studio. Nice. We have a bunch of more songs to get going. Hmm. Um, we have cool titles like one called Occupancy slash No Occupancy. <laughs> In fact, I think that's going to be the title of the next record. You mean like and the thing on like the porta potty? So like the dial thing on the porta potty when you go in there, you slide oh, yeah, the handle yeah, yeah. and it goes like the yeah. Similar, very similar, but more, um, more, uh, you know, pertaining to housing. Yeah. So like, that's a no, Tom. Well done. Sure, Good effort. It looks like someone lives in this house, but no one's living in this house. Mm-hmm. They're just mm-hmm. existing. That type of thing. Mm, that's, interesting. That's, uh, very, uh, very uh, high-minded. Yeah. It's deep. It's yes. Emphasis on the high. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's <laughs> now I want to fuck my chick in the skate ditch. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I know what I yes, want to. I know what I wanted to ask you. So on the second album, is it the second album? Do you do a discharge cover that's got like crazy fucking saxophone in it? Is that a discharge cover? That's the third album. Dude, yeah. Tom, you have to hear this. If you've never, if, if you've not heard what this, song is it? they do a cover of "See Nothing, Hear Nothing." Say nothing. Oh, oh, the t- oh really? Yeah, okay. Except you wouldn't recognize it at all. <laughs> you wouldn't recognize it. And that's, this is one of our dreams, uh, Guitardo and I. We love Discharge. Um, but we always thought that Discharge would be funny as a like an avant-garde, um, like if you had xylophones and uh, like... <laughs> weird jazz drums. Yeah, yeah. We do. We always thought that it was like so minimalist. Like you could do this weird, like. Boy, Neil, I bet you we know somebody who would like this. Oh yeah, we sure do. <laughs> Xylophones. And it's uh, <laughs> so we did um, see nothing, hear nothing, say nothing, and um, it's a very it's on incest and pestilence. And it's just an, and I think it's the first song on side two, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I um. You know what? I've heard it probably ten times. Which is a weird way to. Um, it's a weird way to start a side of an album. It, yeah, it puts you off. Then the next song is. That's what you want to do uh, when you put it flip your record or next... put the put the listener off. Yeah, turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And then the next Faster song marketing. is let's string up the new marketeers. So it's just a hard hitter right after that weird and has a mm. weird kind of clinking mm. piano in it that's really out of tune. It's like ding 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 ding. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a super. 
That's uh-huh. one of my favorite Smog Town songs we've ever done. Or it's not a Smog Town song, but one of my favorite things that we've ever done in the studio. Well, I it's funny. one of the coolest. Like I was saying, I've heard it probably ten times, and only I only cottoned on today that that was actually a fucking Discharge cover. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's how different, oh, that's that's how different it is. Hmm. Dude, the, um, sax, the sax solo is my father-in-law. That's my wife's dad. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, like, Good, dude, good job, Dad. He, dude, he's a tripper. My wife's dad is like a... He's some ex-pro surfer from, like, the 70s. He was there in Huntington. And um, he's crazy jazz musician he used to play in this band called like rolling clones he was like a, in a rolling stones cover band uh, and all this stuff gotcha. uh, but he got he's super into jazz and then we were talking about um archie shep like how he screams into the um into whatever that thing's called dude i don't know shit about it. horns but the reed <laughs> i guess you know and, oh <laughs> and amazing i was all like dude if you rap discharge song you know it's oh, i could fucking do it dude i'll do it you know i'm like okay dude so we bring him into the studio and he's all right let me just do a practice run through it and we play him the song and it's there at adamo's studio and um we let him just run through it and jerry records everything that's our kind of our thing together like if someone's doing something in there you just record it even if they're talking and that's where all the weird shit in between songs comes from. Oh, well, okay. All so, that. Okay, so now you say that. So in Skate Ditch, what is that weird guy that's talking about he's going to get guns and knives and kill people and do all kinds oh, shit, of shit? That's, that's fucking... That's, uh, that's before... Um, if we all have love, we can melt all the guns. If we all have guns, we can melt all the love. That's before that song. That's from <laughs> a movie called... Um, Slackers, not Slacker like the Hollywood movie. It's a Richard Linkletter movie from the early '90s. Okay, and it's the most fucking bizarre movie you've ever seen. It's just, it takes place in Austin, Texas, and for the first five minutes, it's about this guy that does some shit in Austin, and he passes a guy. Now the movie's about that guy. Then. Mm-hmm. Two minutes later, he passes the dude now in the movie about this guy. And it's hmm. it gets yeah, out Linkletter of likes that high concept stuff, doesn't he? Dude, it's awesome. And by the end, hmm. you got this dude driving in a fucking ranchero with a PA system on the roof of his car saying the free weapons giveaway program. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that one is. The That's free amazing. weapons giveaway program. And we've had that on VHS since. The three of us, me, Chris, and Tim, that's like the core group of Smogtown, um, in our apartments when we were living together, we always had that. So when we were making our our demo tapes and everything, we would record weird stuff off of the VHSs, whether it was from Repo Man or Surf Nazis Must Die, mm-hmm. um, Slacker. What was the other ones? We would, we would just put those things in between the songs and... Mm. I don't know, people reacted to it well. They they were like, yeah, this is rad. And so that was just something that we would always do. And so we had never officially done free weapons giveaway program. That's what we call that sound bite. That's, and that's pretty cool. I don't know, to me, I thought it was freaking rad. No, it is. It's rad as hell. Yeah, it's rad as hell. Um, so 
Do, do we have anything else to talk about, or are we going to sign out? Because I'd like to sign out. You know, out. I got to say, we are we are long as usual. Yeah. Um, and I think we might be pushing our longest. Uh, when we put the music in, we may be pushing our might have own done, personal yeah. record. Yeah, you might have which broken, is you might have like broken Taran- the record, Chavez. Basically like a Tarantino film. Yeah, it's like two and a half hours. So, okay, so oh. I, I want to play us out with the song Sneaking Out, because I love that song. So you just want to tell us quickly what uh, Sneaking Out is about? Because I think I know what it's about, but maybe tell us. Sneaking Out yep. is uh, me and my brother growing up in Costa Mesa, sneaking out of the house, and you are 
basically listening to the exact route that we took in and out of the house. The ending of the song is not exactly spot on true. My dad wasn't actually sneaking out. I just thought that was a very clever ending. And, well, it uh, is. I mean, I mean, that's, and damn it, that's what I thought the song was about. I thought it was about the dad sneaking out instead of the kids. And that's what made it so, so funny oh, that he, no, that he no, hated no. his life too. Sneaking out, but then when he comes back in, the dad is sneaking out like, Hey, here's yeah. five dollars. Give that to your brother. Yeah. That was just the clever ending I came up with. Uh, I thought but, it was, I thought it was much so deeper than that. I thought that, I thought he hated his life and was sneaking out to, Try and re- yeah, that's that's the thing. I, that's the thing I've oh, learned. That's you know that's what, what I've learned. When you put it into the general um, spectrum that Smogtown writes on, that's exactly what that's about. Yeah, right. So yeah, it's, it, it has no basis in reality, but it it fits in the the spectrum of what we're writing about in Smog in Smogtown because that happens every day to some other kid, not me, but uh, that happens to kids every day. So yeah. That's exactly what that's about. Yeah. So you well, got it spot on. What I've learned is the songs that seem to be deep aren't, and the songs that don't seem to be deep are. That's what I've learned. Except for I want to fuck my chick in the skate ditch. And that, that was one's a, deep. That, that, that was it? works at several levels. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty deep. He wants to catch a little well, air off ditch, her the behind. Ditch, the ditch itself was deep. Yeah the, deep. yeah, the ditch was deep. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Yeah. All that's right. what she said. But yeah. All right. Yeah, we let, let's end on that high note. So, <laughs> okay. hey, thanks so much for coming on, dude. It's been, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Dude, of course. Thank you guys for having me. It's super I, cool that anyone's even interested in my I'm sort of, madness. I'm sort, of, I'm sort of sad that you're probably not going to come play in the Midwest for us, but, you know, maybe we'll fly. Yeah, maybe we'll go out you that way. You never know. Like, um, not a lot of people are playing lottery, and I have still been. So if I win the lottery, then... <laughs> I mean, you still have to replace your whole band, but you'd be able to do it, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, they're they're good. They'd be able to pull it off. I think I'm the anchor. Oh. Ah. Oh, man, we got to drag Ray around. <laughs> oh, my gosh, man, I got money. Let's go, gang. Let's do it. Somebody I'm paying everybody's salary. There you go. But, yeah, no, cool, man. We And, like I said, we I, I, I just discovered your music, but I love it. And uh, I... I, I thrilled that you're recording some new stuff even though neil cut you off when you were talking about what you're recording oh, but yeah looking forward to it yeah yeah that's all right we're we're going for it we're yeah. gonna keep you guys happy keep Absolutely. myself happy cool yeah. man when you get that done maybe you can come back and tell some more stories i do please invite me anytime definitely i can do nothing better than talk exactly <laughs> we're all locked in our house anyway you might as well just come and BS yeah. with a couple yeah. of strangers, right? Yeah, just shoot the shit with us. Yeah. Exactly. It was awesome. But, hey, yeah. All right. Cool. Thanks again, man. We'll talk yep. to you. Yep. All right. Thanks. All right, Peace, guys. Peace out, everybody. Thank and, you. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, stay safe and stay free. Okay, bye.